If we were to ask the church members, is Paul an apostle? Was Paul an apostle? I believe we would have almost 100% of the church members today say, yes, he was an apostle. But it was not that way in Paul's lifetime. There were people who did not think Paul could be an apostle. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 2. Paul says, If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am unto you, for the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. Why would they think in Paul's lifetime he couldn't be an apostle? We'll discuss that. At the time Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, Paul was persecuting the Christians. Peter, on the other hand, was meeting with the church. In Acts chapter 1, we read, All these continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brethren. They were all together. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake concerning Judas, which was guide to them who took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man, Judas, purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called the field of blood. For it is written in this book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and let his bishop prick another take. So they have come together to select the replacement for Judas. The eleven apostles have come together to replace Judas with a twelfth apostle. So Peter says, Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of Jesus' resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed, and they said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, 
that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. There are many people today who would think Paul is the twelfth apostle taking the place of Judas. That is not true. At the time they selected the person to take the place of Jesus, Paul was persecuting the Christians, full force. Paul was partially responsible for the death of Stephen. At the time Stephen was killed, Paul was standing there holding a coat, watching this and giving his approval to the killing of Stephen. We'll read that. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen gives a rather historical account of God bringing them out of Egypt. And then he ends his story with these words. Acts 7.52 Well, let's back up to 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness lay down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, Paul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen died. Chapter 8 of, of Acts um, 8. I mean, excuse me, chapter 1 of Acts 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, unto Stephen's death. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Paul was one of the ones persecuting the church at the time they selected Matthias to be the twelfth apostle and replace Judas. Therefore, anyone who says Paul was the twelfth, the last apostle, the twelfth apostle, they just don't have the scriptures straight in their mind. 
Paul was not the twelfth apostle. Matthias was the twelfth apostle. Paul was the first of the New Testament apostles given by Jesus after Jesus arose. This is in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 8. After he ascended on high, after the crucifixion, after Jesus was raised from the dead, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The ministries given to the New Testament church by Jesus were apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Paul was one of those given to the New Testament church after Jesus arose. Paul was not the last apostle. Paul was the first among the first of those New Testament apostles which work in the church today. Even if you don't know them, they're the ones working with doctrine. They may not be permitted to sit in the church for most churches say there are no apostles. But those apostles still work in the church. They're the ones that tell you you have to compare this scripture with this scripture to, to make a decision. They, are, they have an anointing to deal with scripture. And when they deal with scripture, it burns through you. Because they are anointed by God to deal with those scriptures. In Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascended, in verse 11, the angel said, while Jesus was ascending, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Because they saw Jesus leave the earth. The angel said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And Jesus said to them, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Same thing for us today. Because we have the Holy Spirit and are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit reminds us of something, we speak that, and that's the power of God. We don't speak of ourselves, and we can't make the Holy Spirit speak. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, we act upon it. I've always found it to be a very gentle voice that brings a very gentle thought into my mind. It's so gentle, I've often missed the Word of God. On the word pod, uh, podcast, no, excuse me, that was not the word, 
on the word I heard concerning read the Old Testament. I heard that in about November of 2019. This thought came into my mind, read the Old Testament. I did nothing. The next day, the thought came into my mind, read the Old Testament. And I thought at that time, I really should reread the Old Testament, but I didn't do it. The third day, the thought came, read the Old Testament. It wasn't an accusing thought. It was just instruction. And the third day I heard it, the third time I heard it, I did it. I thought, oh, I'm going to read the Old Testament. But it wasn't my idea. It was God wanting me to do it. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to show us what to do. And the Holy Spirit brings these gentle thoughts to our mind to lead us. Well, that's the power of God. And Jesus says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I find that the Holy Ghost from time to time, I know he lives in me, but I find from time to time he will bring a thought to my mind. And he, I may not get it the first time or even the second time, but eventually he reaches me. Each of us have this type of thing in us. We, if we belong to God, we have the Holy Spirit of God in us because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Acts, uh, I mean, that's uh, Ephesians chapter 1. So many Christians today equate the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. I am not speaking against tongues, but I'm telling you there's far more to it than this. The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. The Holy Spirit reminds you of everything Jesus has said so that you can know the way to go. I'm quoting from John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 13, we read, He guides you into all truth, and He shows you things to come. So four things the Holy Spirit does for us. Teaches us all things. Reminds us of everything Jesus has said. Guides us into all truth and shows us things to come. That's John chapter 14, verse 26 and John chapter 16 verse 13 what a mighty thing the Holy Spirit is can you imagine if you could offer this to the world and they could believe it well they would go crazy you have a sure thing you have the Spirit of God who knows everything is coming so you don't have to be at risk as the world is the world goes out and borrows all the money they can possibly borrow to buy a house, to get their mortgage. A few months later, there's a crash in the economy, and they lose their house. 
But we have the Holy Spirit to show us things to come. Things to come about secular matters. Things to come about spiritual matters. I've just seen it for so many years, 40 years or so, of experience with the Holy Spirit leading us. So the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles, and they were led, they were going to replace Judas. They had Old Testament scriptures showing them this had to be done. They were going in the will of God. It wasn't that they made a mistake when they chose Matthias. They were going according to the will of God. Paul was not going to be one of the twelve apostles. He was ordained to be one of the first of the New Testament apostles. So the requirement set up by Peter that these men, the man chosen for this apostle at that time to replace Judas, he had to have been accompanying with them all the time that Jesus went in and out among them. Paul wasn't, he was persecuting the Christians right after that period. Paul wasn't even with them. And Peter said it had to be from the baptism of Jesus unto the day Jesus was taken up into heaven. It had to be someone who had been among them all this time. Paul didn't qualify as an apostle. He was not with them at that time. So it was Matthias. And technically Matthias replaced Judas and became the 12th apostle. Not Paul, Matthias. But we can clearly see how Paul became the first of the New Testament apostles. And that's what we'll look at closely. This happened on the road to Damascus. Paul was out trying to find Christians to put them in prison at the time this happened. If we look at Acts chapter 26, we have an account which I think is quite interesting. It is more detailed about the ministry that Jesus called Paul to than Acts chapter 9. You can read about Paul in Acts 9 or Acts 26, but today let's look at Acts chapter 26. Paul has been called to testify before King Agrippa. And Paul says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. 
And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Then Paul says to King Agrippa, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. There were people who would say Paul could not be an apostle. He wasn't with the other apostles at the time Jesus walked on the earth. He wasn't there when Jesus arose into heaven. It was later, while he was persecuting the church, that Jesus revealed himself to them. I once had my cousin say to me, I believe you are a Christian. I just don't see how you can be. She didn't understand being born again. She had been in Church of Christ all her life, but she did not understand the concept of being born again. And even after I was born again, she and her husband did not understand the concept of being born again. They didn't understand that they didn't understand Paul. Paul was killing the Christians. Let's read the account in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. 
And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. He was blind. And he was three days without sight, and did neither eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And he has seen a, in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Basically, that word great means many. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul did suffer a great many things. We'll read about that in a few minutes. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightst receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes and it, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. But Paul had a big reputation to live down. He was the one putting the Christians in prison. They were afraid of Paul. The other Christians were afraid of him. Ananias was afraid of him. Later, the, the apostles were afraid of him. And when Barnabas took him before the apostles, they didn't know but what he was trying to trick them. You can see how there were people who would have never accepted Paul as an apostle. Just like Paul said in that verse that I read earlier, Doubtless, even if I'm not an apostle to you, I am to others. Because some had received great benefits from Paul's preaching. To them, he would be an apostle. But to those who had heard the rumors about Paul, I'm sure Paul is telling us, they don't believe I can be an apostle. 
And here's another point where Paul speaks of himself. Second Corinthians 10.10 10. Paul is speaking about himself and what they thought about him. For his letters, Paul's letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are by word, by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. Paul said his own speech was contemptible. He wasn't an orator. But he had the power of God. And some orators have clever sayings without the power of God. Some preachers are very entertaining with clever sayings. Paul said he deliberately also made himself of no reputation. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 that he determined not to know anything except the word of God, Jesus Christ. He determined not to know anything. God taught him you don't have to go in among them with beautiful speech and clever sayings. Just speak what the Holy Spirit brings to you and the work of God will be done. I know one of the very famous preachers who hired an acting coach to coach her so that she could be more entertaining. And she succeeded mightily in entertaining the people. But though I've heard this woman speak many times back in the 80s, I can't remember anything she ever taught. When the Holy Spirit teaches you something, you don't forget. If that teacher is speaking by the Holy Spirit, those words keep ringing in your ears. It doesn't matter what their speech is like. The word of God is the power. I had a friend once who had been trained in music. He went to the Church of Christ, was the church group of his church, and he told me, that he was reading scripture at the church and he would practice his voice and practice reading scripture. He did not seem to understand that the scripture itself is the power of God. And even if some of us stumble over the words when we're reading them, if we're anointed by God, the power of God is there to do the work. In January 2020, God gave a woman from our church the word podcast, Pam Patchett. Pam uh, does all the technical work for the books that I publish with Amazon. She told me about receiving this word, podcast. I've heard a podcast, but I didn't know what they were. So Pam began to explore to see what it was. I'm 82 years old at this moment. I was, I did a lot of radio broadcasts back in the 80s. My voice was very good. But I was afraid when I started doing these podcasts 
because I know my voice is not as good as it was then. But God gave Pam the word podcast, and I'm the only one in our ministry who does the speaking or writing. So I knew I would be the one recording the podcast. I had in my heart that I wanted to record radio broadcast and go back on radio again, but again, I was afraid of my voice. And God brought to my attention that he was in this project. He gave her that word. And I had, I came to have faith that he would help me with voice and it would be all right. And uh, the power of God is not in my voice. The power of God is in me by the Holy Spirit who reminds me of the things to say. Paul knew the same thing. Uh, I've heard Kenneth Copeland say that when he, he was, I think, the pilot for Kenneth Hagen as they went on their trips, uh, Hagen went on his ministry trips, and Copeland, who had been a bar singer, a barroom singer, Copeland decided that he could preach like um, Hagen did. So he's told this story. I heard him tell this story from the stage. So he took all of Kenneth Hagen's tapes. He shut himself up into the garage at his house and memorized Kenneth Copeland's tapes. I mean, Kenneth Hagen's tapes. Memorized them. Well, the woman who hired the acting coach was Marilyn Hickey. This is just not the plan of God for ministers. Paul is the example of the plan of God for ministers. God anointed him. God put the Holy Spirit in him. Even if he didn't have a wonderful speaking voice, how much work did the Apostle Paul do? It's, it's amazing. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul describes the weakness of himself, his own flesh. But he had the power of God, which is what you need is the power of God. You don't need a beautiful performance from a minister. You need the power of God from God to come through that minister. And if the minister says anything at all that's from God, the Holy Spirit will remind you of it. Now, granted, a minister can say clever sayings, and you will remember those clever sayings, but I'm talking about the power of God to change lives, to cause you to give up a sin, to cause you to go in a certain direction. That's the power of God. I was speaking at a little church in northern Colorado once. The pastor said, he said, I think this certain man's a prophet. The pastor said he was committing a sin, and everybody in the church knew it. And various people would say, Pastor, you're committing a sin. But one day, this man came in and just said, this has to stop. And he said, the 
power of God went through him at that second like an electric current. And he stopped that sin. He said, I think that man's a prophet. I think he might be right. Prophets are anointed to deal with sin. Well, let's look at at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, meaning clever stories, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, that would be the word of God, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I want to tell you, when I started making these podcasts, I was frightened. I shook. My body just sat here and shook. And you can hear it in my voice sometime. And I'm old, and you can hear my voice quality break up occasionally. But the Holy Spirit is in me. And the Holy Spirit is leading me from one scripture to the other by the power of God to help you who can believe. So I understand very well what this is that Paul is saying. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Those people who aren't Christians who might be listening to this, it won't mean anything to them. Unless they're born again, of course, while I'm speaking. And they could be. I've had several people born again while I spoke. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of princes of this world, that come to naught. I always think about these famous people who die. And they had all this fame and glory and praise of men. And even after they die... Humans carry on about them for weeks and weeks and weeks, giving them tribute. But what is really their situation at this moment? If they're not born again, it's nothing. It's terrible. Though they had all this praise on the earth, it means nothing unless you're born again. Paul says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man? 
which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So this is the difference between us and the world. We have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God searches the heart of God concerning us and reveals to us the will of God. Is it the will of God for me to do podcast? Absolutely. It's not something I thought up. It was brought by the Spirit of God to Pam Padgett in our church. Pam told me about it. I knew we were going to do it. I knew we were supposed to do it, regardless of my age. I have a great deal of information through the years from God on following God by His Spirit. And I understand what Paul's talking about here, and hopefully you will understand better as a result of hearing me speak about this, although understanding is something that's from God and not from me. I can't give you understanding. I can share the story with you, but I can't give you understanding. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of a story which I will share with you. In 1975 up to 1980, when I went into the ministry full-time, I owned a business in Dallas. It's called American Indian Arts. A man from Houston called me during that time, and he said he was a graduate of Harvard Business School. And he wanted to come and talk to me about running an Indian arts business. His wife wanted to start one, and I was the person people kept telling them to come and talk to me. I said, I don't know one thing about business. Oh, I want to talk to you. He lived in Houston. That's about 265 miles from Dallas. So he flew to Dallas. I absolutely couldn't stop him. I tried to stop him from coming to see me because I don't know anything but he would not listen to me he came to Dallas and his first question to me was I want to know about your marketing plan and I'm saying oh God get me out of this I don't know anything about marketing and finally I said to him The first thing I have to tell you is I am a Christian. So when I get ready to go out to buy merchandise, I pray asking God to have the Indians make the jewelry which I need to purchase. When I get to the reservations, I pray asking God to show me the pieces of jewelry that I need to buy. When I return To Dallas, I pray for God to send the angels out to get the customers to come in to buy the jewelry. 
He looked at me and he said, well, I guess that's a form of marketing. And he left. But it's not in my own wisdom. These are things I learned from the Bible. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. Who giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. That's James chapter 1, verse 5. I've used that ever since I was a Christian. I saw that scripture early on, and I prayed for wisdom. I wrote at the top of each chapter of my Bible in those days, pray for wisdom, pray for wisdom. I just saw so strongly that my own wisdom wouldn't work and that it was only when God gave me wisdom that I had anything, that I couldn't read the Bible by my natural mind. I had to read the Bible and allow God to reveal by his spirit what he wanted me to know. That's the only thing that works. One of the reasons we have all these denominations is man set it up by his natural mind. If he had had the wisdom from God when he set up the church denomination, all the denominations would look the same because it's one spirit. There isn't, there's only one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, and we've got Hundreds of denominations. Why? Well, man set it up by his own wisdom. One of the greatest violations in the church today has to do with the Lord's Supper. They set up crackers and grape juice and told you that's the Lord's Supper. And people just take it so religiously It's just shocking to me. There was a woman, I used to play bridge, and there was a woman that played bridge. And one Sunday, she said, oh, I took communion today. And I just stared at her because I know the crackers and grape juice are not the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper has to do with the eating and drinking of the Word of God. That's where the strength and power is. It is not in crackers and grape juice. But she was very, very pious about it. And she said, oh, I had communion today. Within about two seconds, she was telling a story about the color of her underwear, and my partner was a man. I was horrified. The color of her underwear, where she's just been talking about taking communion. If anybody showed the frivolousness and vainness of taking communion with crackers and grape juice, it's that woman. But if you have the word of God, avoid all the appearance of evil, you wouldn't tell this story. So you see, the power of God is in the word of God. The Lord's Supper is in eating and drinking the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul talks about examine yourself as you take the Lord's Supper. He means you use the Bible to examine yourself as you are reading the Bible. We eat and drink the Lord's Supper all the time. It is the Word of God. 
You can't examine yourself with crackers and grape juice. You can't examine yourself by sitting there in the church service and thinking, oh, am I worthy to take the crackers and grape juice? Am I worthy to take the Lord's Supper? I never knew how you would ever know if you were. I did this for years in Church of Christ, but I never understood it. I couldn't figure out how I examined myself before I took it to see if I was worthy to take it. That's not even what the scripture means. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 for just a moment. Verse 28. Paul says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So I would sit there at church, and I would see them bringing the grape juice and crackers down the aisle, and I just shook. Even as a young person, I shook because I thought, I don't know how I decide if I can take this, if I can take it properly. I don't understand that. Years later, after I was born again, I wasn't born again at that time, but I had been baptized. Years later, I saw what Paul was saying. Let a man examine himself as he reads the Bible, and so let him eat of that bread of the Word of God, examining himself by the Word of God. There is no power in crackers and grape juice, and there is great power in properly applying the word of God. And that's what he's saying. Now Jesus, I know Paul hints at this early in this chapter. He says in verse 25, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This cup is the New Testament. It's the New Testament by which we examine ourselves primarily, although many, many statements in the Old Testament can cause us to repent. My mother had dealt in horoscopes all her life. And one day I took a Bible and read Deuteronomy 18 to her about witchcraft. And when I finished reading it, my mother said, well, I guess we better not do that anymore. That's being born again. My uncle wrote to me and said, your mother's changed. She's really changed. Now, who would ever think of being born again by Deuteronomy 18? And yet she was, because it was truth about her. And she said, I guess we better not do that anymore. I don't plan anything ahead. I don't even look up a scripture usually before I record a broadcast or write anything. I just let myself be led by the Spirit of God. A thought will come in my head to read a certain scripture, which I will do, or to tell an example, which I do. That's being led by the Spirit of God. That does the work of God. I have a friend who has an adult-aged son who had married and divorced. And he was coming to visit her. 
she had made out a whole list of things from Bible that she wanted to share with him. I happened to call her about 30 minutes before the boy arrived. She told me what she'd done. I said, oh, no, don't do that. Pray, just pray that God will have you speak anything he wants spoken. So she threw her list away, and not one item on that list was called to her mind to speak to her son. It was all her own flesh of how she was going to straighten him out. What I do is I just simply pray before I know I'm going to see anyone. I pray and ask God, don't let me speak anything that's of myself, of my own ideas. Please just let me speak what you want me to speak. Because that does the work of God. If you can have faith to pray that way, you will see the work of God done as you go about. Well, some of the people in his day did not think Paul could be an apostle. I suspect some of them went to their graves saying Paul could not be an apostle. But here's the truth of the matter. If a tree produces apples, you can say all day long, that tree cannot be an apple tree. But if it produces apples, it's an apple tree. If you see people who compare scripture, one scripture with the other scripture, and lead you to the truth of God, that person is most likely an apostle. For that's what apostles do. If you see someone who corrects people in the church in a godly way. That person is probably a prophet. One day I was having coffee with a couple of Baptist women and one of the Baptist woman, women said, Joan, we have a woman in our church that's just so critical of, of the pastor. He's pastor's getting ready to build this big church building and this woman is so critical. What do you think might be wrong with her? And out of my mouth came Maybe she's a prophet. Well, the two women were stunned, as I was too, because I hadn't thought of that. That was wisdom from God. She probably was a prophet. Prophets just have a very hard life because everyone is just jumping up and down at church and rejoicing, and that prophet is almost throwing up. I knew one prophet who did throw up. She said every time she went to speak to a church and the pastor did something, she got sick in her stomach and went and threw up when he was wrong. It makes you want to throw up when it's wrong, when you're a prophet. And you see things that other people don't see. Well, this uh, they were having a uh, church dedication. This prophet from our church group had been invited to come and speak to their church dedication. The pastor and elder were going to start a business, a secular business, and they wanted the prophet to lay hands on them and bless them for their business. The prophet got sick at her stomach and had to flee the room, and other people laid hands on the pastor and elder and prayed over them and blessed their business. 
within two months, the pastor and elder were suing each other concerning the business. Prophets see things. They're shown by God. They don't see them themselves. It's just that God reveals things to prophets by his spirit. And that's the work of a prophet. I'm going to conclude with this today. I think we can think Paul had a really good life. Paul was beaten more than anybody else. He even said of himself he was beaten more often by the Jews than the others. And he suffered great hardships. And people didn't think he could be an apostle. And he went through all of this torment with them and all the sins in the church as well as the world. But we can starry-eyed think, oh, he was really had it made. But he went through tremendous sufferings. Remember that back there in um, Acts, where God said, I will show him the things that he must suffer. Well, he suffered far more than any of us have suffered for the sake of the gospel. I'm going to conclude with this. This is Joan Boney speaking. I have quite a few books out there on Amazon. In case you're interested, they are the ebooks are 99 cents, the ministry ebooks. We can't control the price of paper. Amazon sets the paperback book price, but the ebooks are 99 cents. It's on Amazon, so you just go to Amazon and type in my name, Joan Boney, B O N E Y. And the list will come up. And I urge you again to go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Click on podcast, which is on the right-hand side of the page, homepage. It will bring up all the podcasts which I've recorded. Every one of these podcasts have every scripture that I have spoken for that podcast printed out for you. So you can copy these scriptures for yourself and look upon them and think upon them day and night and move in the way of God for this is the way of God for us the church thank you for allowing me to speak to you